I really hope you've been enjoying the summer of Dreamcast as it continues. I want to say thank you to everyone out there that supports this show. I know there's a lot of people that download the show every single week and have a blast. And thank you so much for doing that. It's helping make sure that this show continues to get noticed. And hopefully you're telling your friends and your fellow retro gamers about it. But I want to extend a special thank you because a couple months ago, I started this business, the Fitcast Network. And a real big part of its success is going to be the support of this podcast because more than any of the other of the other shows that I do, it takes the, the most effort to produce this. And hopefully that comes across when you guys listen to it every single week. So maybe in the past, if you've heard these these sections and you've heard about Patreon, you've heard about PayPal, and maybe you haven't thought about it in the past, but I really would appreciate it if you enjoy this content and you want to help me continue to produce it every single Friday to go to backinmyplay.com or fitcast.network and make a one-time or a monthly donation, whether it be per episode basis via patreon.com slash backinmyplay or via PayPal on those websites. Because I love doing this show. And I just know as uh, things continue to get crazier and crazier, it's going to get harder and harder to continue to to do this show the way that I want to do it. Uh, but again, if I can get that support, I can make sure it happens every single Friday. So thank you to, to those that have joined up, whether it be making a donation through PayPal or our regular Patreons at patreon.com slash backmyplay. You guys really uh, put a smile, smile on my face every single time I get one of those emails and make it possible for me to you know, really live a dream of producing an amazing retro game show that I would love to tune in myself and listen to every single week. And hopefully that comes across as well. Thank you so much. And I hope you're enjoying the Summer Dreamcast again. Let's continue it right now. Welcome back to Back in My Play. The summer of Dreamcast continues as we talk about Japanese hardware, Japanese exclusive games, and also European exclusive games as well. Some English releases came out over there that we did not get here in the States. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and back with me to continue the summer of Dreamcast is Greg Seward from Generation 16 and the Player One Podcast. Greg, how are you? I'm good. Getting a, getting a sunburn from all the summer of Dreamcast. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a hot fire, but you got to let you like that fan on the side. It blows that nice cool air back at you, and it just balances <laughs> you all out. And trust me, as someone that has had four Dreamcasts in his house in the last couple of days, good lord, I, I've become very uh, very experienced with the different fan architecture across all the revisions. Which you know, the episode already came out. We did a, I, we we did an amendment on the. Uh, the Jap or the Eng- uh, excuse me, the United States hardware stuff, but revision zero that is the one to buy. 100%. I noticed you 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 were you tweeted out some autopsy photos. I yeah, I took it apart, and uh, not only does is the fan like way quieter, um, it it blows out like pure hot hot air because again because of that heat sink that it has on it. Plus, I don't know. And this is maybe just a quick anecdote for people that are looking to get a Dreamcast. If you're going on eBay, buy Dreamcasts that have no games included with it because I think you're much more likely to get a better drive because that person didn't buy very many games for it. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's an, it, it makes a kind of sense, sure. 
because I bought I bought a Revision Zero, which only came with a beat to shit copy of Crazy Taxi, and the drive was in perfect shape. Like I went to uh, even add lubrication to it to the gears and stuff, and sexy. It's Greg. It's super quiet. Like I can't. I want to almost like take a video and send it to you because this. It doesn't even sound like a Dreamcast. It sounds like I don't know, like a one X CD player. It, it's so quiet and 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 it's loading and stuff like that. So yeah, Revision Zero. Go and and look for one of those because they they're a little bit harder to find. It's probably more like the ten percent of the consoles that are out there. Maybe even less. Actually, it's probably less. Probably closer to like five percent here in the states, but. If you're thinking of getting into the Dreamcast, track one of those down, and it's going to be worth worth your time and effort. And I'm I'm hoarding them a little bit. I picked up, uh, I returned all of my GameStop ones, and just bought a couple of Revision Zeros on eBay. You're not hoarding like the dude in the picture you uh, posted in the NeoGaf thread. No, that was, a, that was a lot of Dreamcast behind that guy. No, Greg is referencing the uh, picture from the launch at Babbage's. Uh, there's an infamous. Oh, is picture. that what that was? Yeah, okay. it's an infamous picture from the the store launch, or I guess the the nine nine ninety nine launch at a. It might have been, actually it might have been a Funkoland or a Babbage's. I can't remember, but uh, there's basically a guy like with the perfect look on his face, is saying like, "Yeah, I got all the Dreamcasts. They are right here, and they're badass." It's- Totally looks like somebody who's just like you're, you're right. It's the look on his face. He totally looks like somebody who's just been collecting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, speaking of, sorry. One of the things that I'm realizing is, man, the the arcade sticks for the Dreamcast are not expensive. No, they're like sixty I'm, bucks. I'm I think going to grab one of those because I've got a fair amount of fighting games for that system, mm-hmm. and I I I have one controller that's actually like a three over three six button. Yep. You know, and it's it's okay, but it's not great. It's not the the ASCII controller, is it? I don't think it's an ASCII controller. Okay, I'll have to check it. But anyway, I I'm, I wasn't crazy about it when I was testing games for one of our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really crazy about the way it worked, and you know, I'm thinking like, why why the heck don't I have one of those? I mean those those arcade sticks are beautiful, and they're they're so cheap right now. Yeah, I would recommend if you can um, wait or, or not wait. I should say um, buy one from Japan. Because they're a little bit cheaper and just get the cheapest shipping and just wait the two months for it to get there. Yeah, um, yeah that's probably because, what I'll do. Because if you're not in a rush to, to play anything, because I, I, I believe that the Dreamcast controller, I mean, the D-pad, and you guys, we're just riffing. This is a summer of Dreamcast. You're getting some extra Dreamcast discussion, you know, based off the last couple episodes because, mm. you know, we're recording these like within a couple of weeks. So we are getting to play more games and we're getting hyped up for this stuff. So I want you guys to get some some extra Dreamcast stuff. But um, I, I got Capcom versus SNK. Or SNK versus yeah, that's what I was testing. Holy smoke! I've never played that game. Wow, is that game awesome? So good. good. Oh, I like. I didn't realize it is basically a mix of like King of Fighters, like like let's just say two thousand and Street Fighter three. Yeah, with with amazing with amazing art and amazing the best the best art. The yeah. best art, the best backgrounds. Like it has the greatness of like, you know, Street it has the, SNK style background. That's what I'm saying. That yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say, because I'm like, you know, Street Fighter three has cool backgrounds, but you know, King of Fighters, 98, 99, 2000, like those backgrounds oh are like, that's, that's the pinnacle, man. Like that's well, the, yeah, that the, the artist, the artist in like the, the mid to late nineties at SNK, like this, the sprite art they turned out, there's just, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it is uh it, it is an absolutely uh unbelievable console for for fighting games and not only did I pick that up but I picked up um I did finally get my hands on Soul Calibur which still plays great. <laughs> um, nice. And uh you know I was going through the move lifts list playing through that and that was actually uh, a lot of fun just going through the the arcade mode and going through all the characters and, and messing around with that stuff for about an hour. 
And yeah, that game is definitely going to be worth holding on to. And we're going to talk a lot about fighting games today, especially when it comes to the Japanese exclusive stuff. But Plenty, plenty more to to talk about. So uh, one more reference on the the GameStop stuff, because I have been recommending to people, like if you want to get Dreamcast games, kind of the best place to go for prices. And and I mean, not, not eBay is always going to be the best place to go in terms of quantity, but the, the prices and the quality of the discs that I've been getting from GameStop has been really impressive and... Uh, you know what? We always crap on GameStop for a lot of things for their, you know, whether it's practices for pre-owned games or just being a place where you want to knock over the magazine rack. But I think the the offerings for their retro stuff, and now that they also have Saturn stuff, they have GameCube, original Xbox, Game Boy Advance, uh, Game Boy Color. Um, yeah, none of, that, none of that stuff's available up here. That's what I figured, but yeah. you know, maybe if it's successful out here, it will be over there uh, as well. And uh, even like the N sixty four games, like we can get plenty of like Wave Race for like four dollars. Like they're not overcharging for this stuff. It's very very competitive to what you would get on on eBay. So lots of great stuff. Lots of great stuff to talk about. And I'm just I'm still surrounded by. Dreamcast games and Dreamcast uh, hardware, which is really, really cool. And even, Greg, you saw I picked up 36 VMUs. Yes. That's a lot of VMUs. It, it is a lot of VMUs. And we didn't talk about this uh, on the last couple episodes. We mentioned that we're going to be doing that charity stream on September 3rd. But I'm actually going to be... We're going to be giving those away uh, throughout the day to people that donate uh, through our various charities and stuff like that. So I'm saving those. These are brand new sealed Sega Dreamcast VMUs with batteries that still work. I, I open a couple boxes for myself. I'm holding a couple for myself and uh, they still work. So that's great. Easily worth a hundred bucks a piece. I think retail value, um, you know, like when you do charity auctions, they usually give the retail value. I think retail value is at least three to $400 uh, yeah, for each one like of these that. VMUs. Yeah. So, so uh, if you donate a hundred, I mean, it's a steal. Yeah, and and these were direct from Peter Moore's closet. Like that was the cool thing is like they were directly like behind his his stacks of of fresh Nikes from his EA Sports and Nike deal. And they what's were just, weird, yeah. But what's weird though is that like before he gave them to us, he like rolled up his shirt sleeve to show us his VMU tattoo. Yeah, he didn't, and it was like, why why didn't he ever show that one off? That would have sold know, so man. many co- like consoles. I mean, that's that's the reason for the success of Grand Theft Auto, right? Yeah, I mean Grand Theft Auto and Halo Three. Um, yeah, geez, and if you you should have seen where the uh, where the House of the Dead Two tattoo was, that was pretty gross. But I'm I'm telling you, E Three is not the same without a without a Peter Moore tattoo reveal. He did a good, and this is the last thing we're gonna get going, guys. Don't worry. This is just again <laughs> we're riffing, we're warming up, a little bit extra for you guys. But um, it is. It's it's always sad to see Peter Moore just doing EA sports stuff, and now he's doing EA uh, esports yeah. stuff um, because he was so so fantastic. I mean, I I really only saw him through his time at Xbox, but man, was he such a great spokesperson and a great personality for that brand and for for the Sega Dreamcast. If you go and watch some of those old promotional videos, absolutely. Uh, well, we are going to take a break, and that way we can fit in some more music. And the more and more I've delved into getting music for these episodes, the more that I've seen, there's actually like some incredible soundtracks, like uh, Virtual On. Holy crap. Wow. That soundtrack just is pure Sega. Um, 
Ontario Tangram is how you pronounce it, correct? Yep. I was about to say yeah. that, yes. Uh, that soundtrack- Totally stole my joke, Larrabee. No, did I say it wrong? No, that's, it's, oh, I thought you were joking. Un- no, it's like Oratorio Tangram. Oh, sorry. I, I always <clears throat> mispronounce it and I don't have it in front of me. So, um, yeah, go look up that soundtrack if you want to be like, wow, I'm back on a Sega Saturn uh, or Sega arcade <laughs> hardware. That is like the the epitome of uh, great Sega soundtrack. So um, that and like co- obviously Code Veronica and there's there's so many great soundtracks. So Caliber as well has a really great soundtrack. So plenty of stuff to pick on for this show. Stick around, though. We'll be right back and we're going to be talking about starting off with European exclusive games in English that you may want to consider importing when we come back. Stick around. So we're here to talk about, or at least start, we're going to talk about European exclusive games. And the Saturn had a hell of a ride, excuse me, the Saturn. And you know what? I did that on the very first episode that we did. I said uh, something, something talking about the best way to like play your Sega Saturn in 2016. No one caught me, but um, <laughs> that's what happens when you talk about Sega stuff. Sometimes you just want to say Sega Saturn instead of Sega Dreamcast. But we're going to be talking about European exclusive games for the the Sega Dreamcast. And there are two big ones that really come to mind, two that were like major imports. Uh, one that Greg and Greg and I both have, which is uh, the English version of Shenmue 2. For some reason, mm-hmm. uh, Sega of America opted out of bringing over Shenmue to the Dreamcast version to United States. But eventually, we ended up getting it through the Xbox, thanks to Microsoft. They actually fronted some cash to get that game ported to the the Xbox hardware, which was really smart, right? Because you know, the Xbox was kind of the spiritual successor to the Sega Dreamcast and some of its franchises. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft and Sega were really closely tied right around that time. And there, was a lot of, there were a lot of rumors going around about... Um, you know, them, them basically just taking over the Dreamcast. I mean, yeah, you wait, know, if wait, you remember, do, there do, was Windows on the Dreamcast, so. Yeah, but I mean, do you remember there the like the rumors of the Xbox potentially playing Dreamcast games? Playing Dreamcast games, games yeah. Is there any, like, actual hard, uh, hard I evidence remember about when we, that? When, while I was working at EGM, that was a rumor that we heard, but I don't know if we heard it the same place everyone else did or if, you know, um, like our features editor or news editor or something had more... Yeah, I think there was there was talk. I mean, like I said, they were sort of had this sort of intrinsic link happening. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you remember the controller, right? Again, the the controller looked like a Dreamcast controller for all intents and purposes. It looked like the next evolution of the Dreamcast controller. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that was true or that was just wishful thinking or it was something that CJ made up because the quarter man column was short that month. That's what I kind of figured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's but, it's 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 an easy correlation to to make in some you know dots that are easy to to draw a line from. Right. As far as Shemu two not appearing on the U.S. Dreamcast and actually going to the Xbox, I believe that's because I think Sega of America was actually instrumental in shutting down the Dreamcast business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, not that not that they made the final decision because that was actually made by by the head of Sega. Of course. But, um, 
but yeah, I, I think that, you know, they were very much Sega of America was very much like, okay, we're, we've made this decision and now that's it. You know, anything, it anything that's not ready to go, mm-hmm. it's done. Um, but Sega of Europe didn't have to follow suit, obviously. So yeah, some of the last couple of games weren't even first party games. They were like you know Last Blade and, and Mark of mm-hmm. the Wolves and stuff like that. It was the yeah. SNK and the third party stuff that were you know they still felt like it was worth putting that stuff out because if, the hardcore audience the Dreamcast had. If it wasn't a sports game, I don't think Sega of America. Actually, it's it's funny because uh, something that happened this week while we're recording was is actually um, the <laughs> yeah. ROM was dumped for Echo Two on the Dreamcast, mm-hmm. which. It was only a few levels, um, and who knows how far they'd actually gotten. But again, I think the date uh, that was on the disc or something was, or the build was around the time that they announced that the Dreamcast was done, like late so, two thousand one or something like that, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, the uh, Shenmue two still <laughs> show, there's lots of copies here in the states because uh, at the time, EB Games and and, and other uh, local. I shouldn't say, or in the United States, game shops ended up importing a ton of copies of Shenmue 2, the PAL version, yeah. and actually built in to the pre-order was a package of that and a, a boot disc. What I actually have is what, when I bought my copy of Shenmue 2, I actually bought it from someone that did pre-order it, and there's actually included uh, just a copy of a Game Shark cheat disc, um, which allowed for the booting of imported games. So right. uh, you would have to load up this disc and just not enable any cheats very much like the, uh, the Ram expansion cart that you can get uh, for the mm-hmm. Sega Saturn where you do the same thing. You just don't load up any cheats and you can uh, boot any kind of uh, extra disc, whether it be an import game or bootleg. Um, and this is how it was packaged. And if you listen to episode one, uh, I don't know, Greg, did you go back and listen to that at all? I know we no, recorded it together, but um, I only asked you that because I obviously talked to, to JJ uh, from 8-4 and um, his girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, purchased him a copy of Shenmue 2 and the boot disc for like his birthday. And nice. uh, of course, she's speaking Japanese. It was a great way, for, I guess, in terms of like bonding. And, you know, if, if a woman buys you a copy of Shenmue 2, uh, you marry her, you, you just do it like you don't yeah. even think. No, that's a good point. And, and of course, what you're referring to there is the fact that the translation was uh, subtitles only. Correct. So, yeah, they, all the all the voice acting in the game, which every single character that says anything, it's it's spoken. Mm-hmm. It's all in Japanese. And it's and it's like we've been playing through this game uh, for the last couple of weeks now. And the voice acting is very, very good. Like it is very good Japanese voice acting. And unfortunately, when we got it here in the United States on the on the Xbox, I don't know if it was Microsoft or I'm guessing Sega may have already gotten the work started. Uh, I would dare say, yes, they probably did. Yeah, they probably got the work started when they were thinking of, you know, potentially bringing Shenmue 2 to the States back mm-hmm. on the Dreamcast, but then instead, you know, used that work and maybe continued on uh, with it to finish it up for the the Xbox. And that release did have English voice acting in it um, to a, a quality level, which is debatable, um, but it, it was still there. And it is something that I think maybe some Western companies thought those games needed to sell well in America, but who knows? Yep. 
Uh, so that is that is the big one. And uh, of course, the, the other big one is a very graphically impressive game and an impressive game just in terms of being ahead of its time in terms of storytelling, which was Headhunter, which is mm-hmm. a, a great almost semi open world g- action game uh, that is... <laughs> Like it just has so much production quality in it. You're just, I was just amazed when I found out about this game, when I got into, you know, my disc juggler and my, um, I guess it wouldn't have been IRC. What's it called? My news groups days where you'd have like the Dreamcast news group. And <laughs> you could just news down- Dreamcast. Yeah. Yeah. And you could just download Dreamcast ISOs mm-hmm. from that thing. And I'm like, Headhunter, what the hell is this? And it was a um, unbelievably fantastic it's a cool game. game. Yeah. Which I also just recently bought a copy of because I want to have like I think that's worth at least exploring in terms of doing an episode for. Yeah, absolutely. I've had that game for years. I've never played through it. Um, I want to say that it was Chris Baker at OPM that that actually turned me onto that game. Um, it was one of the last games I bought for my Dreamcast. Uh, but yeah, it was just on the recommendation of one person who I believe, like I said, is Chris Baker, that I grabbed it. And it's a really, like you said, it was ahead of its time. Um, kind of in the same way that Shenmue was where it's like, you know, uh, you're, I forget what the storyline is, but you have to get to some place. You actually jump on a bike and you drive through a city to get there and it's Mm -hmm. a totally open world. And you know, then when you get there, you jump off and you actually have like sort of a run and gun. I've heard people compare it to metal gear solid, which I wouldn't really say is the case. I mean, it's Um, a third person action game, right? Yeah, so I would say something that's more like a comparison. filter or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's it's a, it's a really cool game, and it's you're right. It's like a hidden gem for anybody who's kind of gone through the American uh, games and even like the Japanese games that are worth playing. And you're looking for something else. Headhunter is a really cool one to pick up. Yeah, I think the the graphics themselves are they they're in the contention for the best looking visuals on the Sega Dreamcast like technically very impressive uh, of course mm. you know m- the more and more I play of Shenmue 2 though I think that probably that probably wins um I know there's oh, yeah. the, there's there's some arcade games that like you know they look arcade perfect but in terms of the scale and the breadth of what Shenmue 2 is doing it is just it, and it's really head and shoulders above Shenmue 1 uh, I'm, I'm, mm. I've been more and more blown away by how how much of a leap Shenmue 2 is over Shenmue 1 and how much bigger that game is and how short of a time that it took to make that uh, versus the original. But you know what? That's for a future episode, Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's a couple other games that came out uh, in Japan and also in Europe. That includes Rez, uh, came out on the Dreamcast, and also a very similar game in terms of... Um, a visual style, I guess you could say, in uh, Cosmic Smash, which is a really rad, like, what would you call it, like a 3D Pong kind of game? I, I honestly have no, I have no uh, Oh, you haven't played experience it? with Cosmic Smash. It no. is awesome. Okay, so again, you know, I picked it up when I was in those in those news groups or whatever, and I was really getting back into the Dreamcast. This was probably 2007 in college, and um, the, the, the game itself is... It's really cool. It actually reminds me a little bit of a a flash kind of like 3D like not pong or tennis game, but um it it is visually very um very not stunning, but it's very uh unique uh mm-hmm. in its look. And it it has a look that is very similar to to Res. Uh Cosmic Smash was not really a big hit and it did not uh it do super well. So it probably is a reason why it did not end up coming here to uh, to the states, but it was actually uh, an arcade release in Japan, um, and it was ported to 
the Dreamcast because, of course, Sega Naomi hardware. Super easy to port right. that game over to the over to the Dreamcast. So uh, the description that they have for the game is a futuristic combination of squash and breakout. Uh, so you kind of have like instead <laughs> so of weird instead of breakout being like top down, it's like basically the ball is in front of you and you're kind of in a third person view. Um, and it is uh, it's weird because it was also released in a DVD style case. Uh, which maybe that was just the sound of the times when we, it was coming out in 2001. Um, but you know what? I, the more and more I'm looking into this, maybe I may be wrong in terms of its European release. It definitely came out in Japan, but I apologize if that was a mistake on my part. Uh, I've been researching from a bunch of different websites. So uh, those are the European releases. And again, the good things about those is that you can import them and you can play them because they're in English and they probably have four other languages on them as well because of Europe. And uh, I think Shenmue 2 is absolutely worth picking up. It's coming in at about $90 now if people do want to grab it. Uh, and Headhunter comes in at about $40. So it is definitely a little bit more reasonable. It's it's a li- it's maybe a little bit outside of like curiosity um, yeah. level, levels of price, but you can still jump on it and uh, get a you know, get a really unique game. And with these games, they're not getting cheaper. So you're probably getting your monies back if you want to sell it. Yep. Anything else on the European releases, Greg? So I, I just, I, I was not aware that Res actually came out in, in the Europe for the Dreamcast. According to my sources, it did. Okay. No, that's totally new to me. I've been I've been sitting here sort of looking up because uh, the big thing with Res, of course, was the trans vibrator. But I don't remember if that was a Dreamcast thing I'm or looking just a at PlayStation the, 2 the thing. PAL release of it right now, so I can confirm okay. it. Yep, um, yeah. it was rated Peggy three. Peggy three. Okay. Peggy eighteen. Res was awesome, but you can also play that on an Xbox now. But um, and a PlayStation two and a PlayStation two. That's right. And, and an Xbox uh, Xbox One and soon to be uh, PlayStation four. Actually, that. I don't know if it's backwards compatible. Yeah, but it will be coming on PlayStation 4 VR. It was cool because that was sort of Mizuguchi really going for it. Um, that was like the first time where he's like, I'm going to make a music game and it's going to be amazing. And that's what he did. Can I tell you, I, I played through that on the the Dreamcast when it was, again, that 2007 time period or whatever in my life when I was, you know, I had a CD library full of burnt games, but... I didn't get res until the Xbox Live Arcade release. That's really? when I really got it. And I think part of it was because I didn't understand I didn't understand what was so special about it until I heard other people talk about it, whether it be on, on forums or I'm sure at that time it was like the one up show or EGM Live or something like that, or probably right. you guys too, you know, talking about Oh yeah, we're big man, fans of Res of Player One. So. Yeah, like how special that game was and, and how timeless it is really like you can pick it up today and it but you could be like yeah this game came out a week ago and i would believe you yeah you know what i mean yep no it's and it was i mean i think the reason that i first checked it out was actually because i had heard that it's basically i mean it plays exactly like panzer dragoon so very much so that yeah. was kind of what drew me to it at first and then after that it's just like this is an experience like no other i mean mizuguchi has gone and done you know more stuff in a similar vein since then but child delight yeah, but you know what? I would still say Res is my favorite. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Child of Light was is a good Connect game. Um, yeah, but but it does not really. Comp- and actually, it's also on PlayStation Three now as well. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that is that is it, it is a game that I think it should and hopefully it will continue to get updated. You know, from console to console to console, and 
maybe one day if people are loud enough, get that thing out on the PC. You know, Sega does do a decent that amount of PC support now. So that would be awesome to have for just preservation, uh, preservation sake uh, to be able to play it on a PC going into the future. Yeah, absolutely. And think about that resin 4k. That'd be pretty cool. And uh, all the VR offerings on the the PC as well, but I'm guessing PS4 VR exclusive uh, for the time being. All right. Um, well, that is it for, for European-only stuff. Now we're going to get into the heavy hitters. We're talking about Japanese hardware. We're going to be talking about Japanese accessories. And of course, Japanese exclusive games, some weird, cool-ass stuff that only came out in Japan. We're going to talk about them and suggest which ones that are worth importing if you uh, if you can understand a little bit of Japanese. So stick around. We'll be right back. talking about Japanese hardware accessories and most importantly games but before we get into that we get to talk about boot discs in Japanese games because you know of course there's the Utopia boot disc there's the the Game Shark boot disc that I was talking about before there's a bunch of there's a bunch of different boot discs that you can get to play imported games but the problem is not all Japanese games will actually work on a US sat uh, I did it again Dreamcast wow. I don't know why. I don't even have a Saturn anymore. Maybe I what? just need to get one again. So the the the, the there are a, a few games that will not work on US hardware. And still, you know, if you are going to import games, you have to go through like having to always use the boot disk before you load up the game. So it's a little bit of a hassle in the world that we live in today of solid state hard drives that can be uh, a little bit of an inconvenience for us. So I want to preface that going forward. I couldn't find a specific list of games that don't work with the boot disk. Sometimes trying to find Dreamcast information in 2016 is not the easiest thing, but just trust me because that might be one reason to just go out and get a Japanese Dreamcast console. And they're very similarly priced to what you, uh, the US hardware, like in, instead of about $40 for a US Dreamcast, that's including shipping on eBay, they're still relatively cheap. Uh, the Dreamcast from Japan will run you about $60. And that includes whether it's importing from Japan and just paying for very slow shipping, or there's quite a bit of sellers in the world of retro video games now that just buys pallets and pallets and pallets of Japanese games and hardware from Japan and then just resells them from like Florida. There's a guy in Florida that does a lot. And there's a guy in California that does a lot that I buy stuff from. So uh, you have a bunch of different options for for all that. But I, I think it is going to be worth doing because we're going to talk about a bunch of fighting games and a bunch of games that are just, even if they have a, um, we did it on the second episode, there's a lot of great games that came out here in the United States. Lots of great fighting games that came out on the U.S. Dreamcast, 
but they are super expensive now. Like we're talking, you know, some games going in the 60, 80, hundreds, like some games are uh, like $120 now. So you might actually be a lot better off if you just import a Japanese Dreamcast because a lot of those same games, very much like the Super Famicom, very much like the Sega Saturn, the Japanese versions are uh, drastically, significantly cheaper. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could almost like easily pay for uh, the cost of a, a Dreamcast from Japan or Japanese Dreamcast and the the cost going along with that. So it might be worth doing that. So the the Sega Dream... Okay, I just um, I almost thought I did it again. Sega Dreamcast in Japan uh, had a ton of different revisions and a ton of different repackagings. They had a bunch of special editions for things like uh, Hello Kitty, uh, for Sakura... Uh, Tyson, Sakura Tyson. Yeah. Um, and they also had uh, special editions that uh, specifically, and these are like, these are very, very infamous uh, boxes. Like if you ever kind of just type in Japanese Dreamcast, you're going to see uh, Hideo Kazu uh, Yukawa. Uh, he was the man who's kind of like surprised looking face as he's <laughs> stepping into Looks a like car. Looks like he's stepping into a car. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, and he was literally like in real life, he was a senior managing director of Sega in Japan. And there were these, I would say very famous commercials, not only in Japan, but also in the States of, uh, him original, like the very first commercial was him overhearing kids talking badly about Sega and, like him having to correct it. Then the second one is also mean kids talking about, you know, Sega in, in the Dreamcast. And then more and more, like he basically became a, a face of the company in a face of the Dreamcast. And uh, he actually ended up having to do a commercial apologizing about uh, the low qu- uh, quantities the Dreamcast actually being sold out because it sold so well at launch in Japan that they sold out and you know, they ended up having to run ads of, of him apologizing uh, because you know Japan is very much like that, right? So, so weird. If, if something like companies, you know, often will apologize if they do something uh, wrong, not all the time, go look, go read the great book about uh, the Olympus, uh, the company Olympus, the camera company. Oh my God, that's a great story. Um, but the... The series of commercials are, are very famous. You can find them all on on YouTube. But um, again, the the fact that they actually put this man and there's even like a Brady Bunch style box uh, art where there's a bunch of different screens of him. Uh, actually, no, I believe that's just the back of the box where his face is just plastered on the front. It's not. It's the size of the box too. It's the, I mean, the size the of the box. Size of the box. There's there's nothing else on the box, but there's the logo on the front and a big picture of him on the back. Right. Um, and, uh, I don't know, like we, I, I think it's hard to talk about this stuff without just like saying, Hey, you should just go and look at some of the videos on YouTube. Like I was doing that before this show or actually like a, a week or two ago. Um, but it got to the point, like, remember I said that they were sold out. Then there were, you know, more things of him, uh, basically, I wouldn't say like being ashamed, but it was kind of like a running joke because the Dreamcast started not selling so well. Uh, so he, there was actually, um, you know, like not, I don't know if they're ads. Or I believe this was part of a game where he was like sleeping at a desk surrounded by unsold Dreamcasts. Um, I'm sure, that wasn't part of Sega Gaga. 
it, it might have been part of of Sega Gaga. That that would make sense, but um, it is it's a uh, it's really weird. Uh, it's a really weird backstory <laughs> with that guy. But uh, that that is that that's kind of the main thing about Sega hardware in Japan that I wanted to to bring up. Again, there were a bunch of uh, special editions, like not only like the Hello Kitty stuff, but um, there are a bunch of different colors or clear versions or anniversary versions. Um, there were, um, uh, a special Seaman, uh, special edition that was clear wasn't, hardware. Wasn't there a hello kitty version? Yeah. I, there was a multiple hello kitty versions. Right. Uh, there was a, uh, specific, um, dreamcast hardware that was sold exclusively at Toyota dealerships. Um, there were, um, special editions again. There was, excuse me. There were multiple special editions for um, the Seaman. Uh, there was actually a bundle that included the original Shenmue. Um, there were just really fantastic-looking clear versions, like the transparent plastic, transparent red, transparent blue, uh, transparent black, and like straight-up clear. We ended up getting those things kind of in a way through the shells that you could buy through. Mm-hmm. Um, game importers and um there were there were some places that just kind of sold them but there were really nice um like sonic uh, adventure ones lots of lots and lots and lots and lots of special editions which has kind of always been the case you've always been able to get more special edition hardware we still see it with like the playstation vita and the 3ds right now yeah and even the the playstation 4 like the special uh not uh, metal slime uh dragon quest uh ps4 that they got over there so it, it is just, it is very much a thing of, of Japan and it is awesome. Like when you kind of still go through the retro shops and you see like stacks and stacks and stacks of Dreamcast, lots of them in box, lots of them in box with that, uh, uh, Hidekazu, uh, Hidekazu, uh, on the, on the front of them. But, um, and that was, that was Mr. Sega, man. Uh, that, that was how it was back in, back in the day, but go, go pick up a Japanese Dreamcast. I think you're going to want to do it. Because you have one, right, Greg? You you don't you just yep. have one of the launch ones, though. Yep. So it's got his picture on the box. Um, I'm curious. Oh, it does. Yep. Oh, it wow. was it was launched. That that was the box at launch. Oh no way. Yep. Okay. I didn't. It I wasn't didn't a special that. edition. It was actually the box. How weird is that? It Man. was very weird. Imagine ordering them and having them shipped, and then you get them, and it's like, what the what? It, it, what the hell is this? It is a little bit of a contrast. Like Nintendo has never had the. <laughs> the well, that the executives of the company or managers of the company in their ads where Sega has had it. Um, or what was the other guy that was for the Sega Saturn stuff? Wasn't that Sagata Sanchiro or something like that? Yeah, but did he work at Sega? I don't think so. I really don't know. I don't know enough okay. about it. That's okay. We weren't prepared to talk about it today. But yeah. uh, no, we're just riffing, just chilling. Um, talking about Summer Dreamcast. We're hanging out on the porch. A summer breeze, some, some fresh iced tea. And we're talking about some Dreamcast. But... Yeah, lots of great hardware. And maybe the cooler thing is the accessories because there are a couple exclusive accessories that I wanted to bring up. There's more, but we're not going to... There's, there's a ton of Dreamcast accessories. We're not going to go through all of them, but the two big <laughs> ones that I wanted to bring up were one, the Sega Dreamcast DreamEye, which is a package of uh, the webcam, uh, headset microphone, and Visual Park software, which allowed you to do online video chat. And it also, even more uniquely allowed you to record, I believe it was like 20 to 40, maybe it was like a 45 second video. And then you could compress it and save it to a VMU. And then you could so trade cool. it with your friend at school. Um, but looking like I was looking up uh, some some stuff on the 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 DreamEye, 
the videos are so compressed and terrible. They're basically almost unwatchable. I mean, they are even today, like for today, obviously, but even for the year 2000, you'd be like, man, this is some like, like terrible game spot, like video trailer for an N64 game. Like I can't even, I can't even understand what's going on. So, but it makes sense because I think the, the, well, the VMU didn't have a ton of memory. So no, it had like practically nothing. It was like, I believe the, it's like 512 K or something yeah. like that. Right. It's it's like maybe like a megabyte, um, uh, max of, on the VMUs, but yeah, that, that's very interesting stuff. So you could pick that up and it, it was ahead of its time in terms of being able to do video chat. Um, and if you and a buddy had, you know, webcams and headsets, you could actually just log on to SegaNet in Japan and talk to each other. Um, those are pretty cheap now. They're not super expensive if you want to pick them up just to have them, but they're useless at this point. Yeah. Uh, and also the other thing that I want to bring up was the karaoke adapter. And this is a base that sits underneath the Dreamcast. With it just, It's the same uh, length and width, obviously, square of the Dreamcast. Excuse me. But um, it was maybe half as as thick so it looked like you're kind of stacking very much like the the old uh famicom disc system would like center sit underneath your Mm -hmm. your famicom but uh this would connect in through you would actually take out your modem and you would plug in this adapter from the karaoke uh hardware into where the modem would normally go so that's how they got all that bandwidth through because serial port would not have been fast enough but um it actually had a setup so you could hook up two standard microphones like two standard like uh microphone jack not xlr but just a standard um i believe that's one and a quarter or maybe that's one quarter one quarter i think yeah uh, excuse me. Yeah, one quarter inch microphone jack input so you could use any microphone that you wanted and you could do karaoke and you could download songs via their service on the internet like if you think about how forward thinking that was compared to you know the mm-hmm. other things that we got down the road on on the PlayStation Two. What's that game called on the PlayStation Two? SingStar. SingStar. Yeah, and that went to PlayStation Three, and like they also have uh, subscription services for that now as well on the PS3. And I don't know if it's come to the PS4 just yet. I have no idea. I don't think so. I mean, it might have been in. I think it was much bigger in the in Europe and the UK, but and and in Japan, right? Because I mean, karaoke in Japan mm. is well, like if you haven't. If you've been to Japan, you probably have gone to karaoke. And that's the thing. It's worth mentioning that this was actually the third karaoke adapter that Sega created for some of its hardware. Cause the, that's right. Well, I mean, I don't think Sega created the one for the Saturn because it was for the Hitachi High Saturn. But okay. um, there, was a, there was a version for the Saturn, which same thing, it's Saturn underneath. And then there was a version for the Mega CD, yep. which I always thought was kind of cool because it actually doesn't attach to the system, but it's... It's built in the exact same profile as the Mega Drive sitting on top of the Mega CD. So it mm-hmm. sits next to the thing and just fits perfectly. That's it's actually cool. something that I'm I'm dying to get. It's like one of the sort of the prized th- – there, there's two, like two prized consoles or, or accessories that I want for like my sort of Mega Drive collection. And that's one of them. But they're super expensive when you mm-hmm. go to Money Base. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean this was this was kind of a thing for, for Sega consoles. Although – and also uh, actually um, – was it JVC or whoever released the Wonder Mega? I think it was JVC. Um, the first uh, model of the Wonder Mega, which never came here to the U.S., which was a, a Mega Drive slash Mega CD in one unit, mm-hmm. that has uh, microphone input as well for for karaoke. So um, it was a thing that was on Sega Systems, actually yeah. a fair amount. But this was the first time that you could connect to the internet and download songs. Yeah, and it was also, I mean, it was on the Famicom. 
Mm-hmm. You could you could sing into your Famicom controller and have that True. go through the mic, go through the, uh, that the terrible microphone on that one controller. I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, if you can just turn that, you can just turn on your Famicom without a game in it and just sing into it. It's awesome. Um, so cool. It is so cool. Man, Japan's cool. Um, so <laughs> going forward, let's continue to talk about games. So uh, we got through, the, and again, there's more accessories. I know. Trust me. I, I, I looked them up. We could talk about arcade sticks. We could talk about like weird ass adapters and like coolers and stuff like that. I, but I have a question about, about the arcade stick real quick. And I don't know yeah. if you know this or not, but you've done a little research because um, on the Mega Drive, they had um, arcade sticks. There was a three button and a six button. Mm-hmm. But the version that we got in the US was actually uh, not as good as the Japanese. I, th- I think they use leaf switches on the Japanese arcade stick for the Mega Drive. But in the U.S. they didn't. So I'm curious if there's any kind of difference like that for the Dreamcast between the Japanese and the U.S. versions of those those controllers. Um, Have you heard anything about that? No, I mean, all I know, and uh, they wouldn't, God, I mean, at this point, they wouldn't have used the leaf switches, at least for, uh, I mean, they wouldn't use them for the joysticks or the buttons because it's super unresponsive. Like, that is what they used in, again, this is what you get in your head from owning a bunch of arcade machines, but uh, the leaf switches <laughs> uh, don't have like a clickiness. It's like what you would get in a joystick for a Ms. Pac-Man or even the buttons okay. of Ms. Pac-Man. Like the Maybe I have buttons. that backwards then, but... Yeah, so um, the buttons that were actually, and uh, a lot of times uh, in the sticks themselves uh, were, I believe, hoary parts, and they were super easy to take off the the back plate, and it, like you could literally just swap out the buttons with any arcade like you could put in if you want to put in concave buttons instead you could put in concave but it had convex uh at the start and it had the same kind of candy cabinet uh joystick in it as well which is why it is just such a great fighting stick and it's uh okay the 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 cool thing with the dreamcast and just how it has continued to be a great piece of home arcade fighting hardware is if you've seen the and again, I've owned a couple of these machines, Sega Astro Cities and Sega Blast Cities. Uh, the Sega Astro City con- uh, control panel, in particular, is is very is very famous. Like it is just known in, throughout Japan because the Sega Astro Cities were just in every arcade, whether it be you know Taito Game Station or, or of course uh, Club Segas, but uh, that. Uh, that control panel, people have actually built them then had Dreamcast hookups for it. So you could just plug those into the Dreamcast boards and you could basically have a lap board or put it on a table and it would be like you're using a Sega Astro City um, arcade setup, which I've looked into buying and they're not too bad. It's like 200 bucks, but pretty the, the, those units themselves are pretty highly sought after, aren't they? Yeah, well, when I replaced, and I apologize for the Sega Astro City talk for a second, but what, um, when I got my Sega Astro City cabinets, I actually replaced both of the control panels, and they're still easily easy to get. Uh, really great reproductions of the the panels themselves, so you can kind of just swap them out, and you can put in, you know, whatever you want. You can put in, um, you know, Hori buttons, or I forget what the other. Uh, you you wouldn't put it half buttons, or what you would use for uh, the U.S. stuff, but um, I'm trying to look up a, a website real quick where I used to buy all my buttons so I can give you Sorry. the exact stuff. No, it's okay because I, I think this is kind of cool because uh, uh, here are Sanwa buttons. Thank you. Uh, th- these are the two buttons that you would kind of choose from uh, in terms of sticks or buttons. And I went through a painstaking process of looking this stuff up for my Blast City, my Astro City, uh, Sanwa and uh, Saimitsu uh, was the other company that you would kind of pick from. And they have... 
very similar buttons and sticks, but it like people kind of like say, Oh, this one feels better for, you know, these games. This has a four way, this has an eight way, mm-hmm. um, and, and all that stuff. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. You could, they're, they're really, they're probably the best sticks that we ever got here in the States until, you know, the 360 and the PS3 with all the horror sticks that came over. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I got to get one. You should and you should look at uh, look at eBay because there's lots of people that make not those sticks, but they make Dreamcast um, compatible arcade okay. sticks that you could pick up that are are way better and roughly you know they're a little bit more expensive, but they just look more uh, badass. Even like whether it be the two person setup for Sega Astro City um, or just getting like what is basically like that cut in half. Um, just watch out. Try not to buy. I believe it's the ones made in Taiwan. I might be speaking out of my butt. Uh, but the ones made in Taiwan or sold from Taiwan are actually like really crappy reproductions. So watch out for that. Um, I'm shocked. Yeah, but if you're going to buy them, just make sure that you're buying them from either a U.S. seller that has the U.S. version or uh, someone from Japan, like a reputable Japanese seller, uh, just to be super, 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 super safe. Because um, that's what it's that's what back in my play is all about, being super, super safe. Um that's why I bought three Revision Zero consoles to be safe, Lord. just in case. Um, when they're thirty bucks a piece, it's not like a huge investment. Um, and in, quick anecdote: people were worried that I was getting back into my compulsive buying habits. Um, <laughs> I've trimmed my Dreamcast library to twelve games. I bought a bunch of games, but I returned a bunch, um, and I trimmed it down to twelve games. And I have three consoles, and I have two controllers, and thirty-six VMUs. Um, but then we're giving those away. We're giving those away. Don't worry about it. Um, so let's talk about games, Greg. Let's do it. I'm just going to make this a super long segment because I think you guys should go to iTunes and buy all those great Dreamcast soundtracks. I don't want to put in Jet Set Radio soundtracks uh, songs because I want you to go buy them. Um, okay, so we have to start the show with a showstopper, and that's going to be Sega. Okay, so I think there's, I think there's three gas there. Okay, Sega Gaga. Sega Gaga. Yeah, you're right. Um, but this game is... A, oh, I really wish this came out in the States. And there's been a couple projects to translate it. And basically... Yeah. Basically what it is, okay? If if you can... And this is... It's, it's awesome. It's so Japanese. It's, and it's so awesome. Okay, so let me let me give you a brief description. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow the internet to do it because it, this is just... You won't. You'll think I'm lying. Um, Sega guys uh, storyline parodies the commercially unsuccessful Dreamcast console. Seriously, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, the player is recruited by Sega in a last ditch, last ditch effort to stop the evil Dogma company from taking over the console market. Who would that be? Hmm. Sony probably. Uh, the game. Uh, interspersed with animated cutscenes featuring numerous cameos by Sega characters and games, as well as a variety of gameplay styles. Um, it is literally a role-playing game where you have to save the company of Sega. So cool. And and it, it didn't even come out that late. Like, we're talking March 2001. And I know we got crazy games like Seaman. We got Shenmue. We got a lot of great games that came over and got localized. But, like, this game... And I know a lot of people that own it and they can't play it because it's obviously a Japanese role-playing game, like in terms of the level of text. And I just wish we could get this translated by someone. The fan translations have all fallen apart. People have attempted it and they just, 
they disappear, right? Um, Which is a crying shame because, yeah, this is just such a cool. Uh, this is one of those games that I've wanted to play for ages. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a badass game, and if you want to get more information on it, just look it up on on YouTube because you can find some people that actually do understand Japanese that can at least walk you through like what's going mm. on. You should go check that out because you're like, I cannot believe it. It says on the front of the box, Sega Simulation. You're simulating Sega. That's what you're doing in this game. And it is a, it's a shame. Like, I know a lot of people own it just because it's cool to own, but then you can't even play it, which is a bummer. Um, so maybe you don't want to pick that one up. Maybe you should just go to YouTube to check it out. The next game I want to talk about is Tokyo Bus Driver, a game that is inexpensive and it is very easy to play without needing the knowledge of English. Greg, I believe you have this game, right? All right. I think Greg, Greg ran for, for a second. So um, I'm going to talk about Tokyo Bus Driver for a second. So Tokyo Bus Driver is exactly what it sounds like. You are in the position of a, a bus driver and you have a route that you have to go through and you have to follow all the traffic signals. You got to follow the rules of the road. And if you're from the United States and you're starting to drive in Japan, it becomes a little bit, it becomes a little bit of a challenge to can like condition yourself to go onto the left side of the road when you're driving. Um, but Tokyo Bus Driver, like that game is going to run you about 15 or $20. That's including the shipping cost to get it to you if you're in the States or in Europe. But you can boot it up and you can use your boot disc and stuff like that. And Tokyo Bus Driver is super easy to play. You don't need to know any Japanese for it because there's a map that tells you what routes you have to go on and just follow the rules of the road and you're going to be fine. What are the rules of the road though? You gotta you gotta drive on the left side, not on the right side, Greg. See, that's that's too much. To- Tokyo Bus Driver <laughs> is a is a must own game. Have you have you played much of this, Greg? No, I never have actually. It's something that I I kind of think I need to grab from talking to you. And, oh, it's and super cheap. Looking this up, yeah. yeah I, I played. Um, I actually ended up getting pretty far in it because it's maybe it was just me. Like it's kind of addictive because you can, it, it is the on road version of the train simulators that a lot of, and I like those train simulators. Like I've, I bought two of them on my three DS um, because it is, it is incredibly well how they modeled Japan and, and or I guess in Tokyo in this case. Um, so that is cool in its own right. Maybe it's lost some of its, luster as i've been to japan so many times so i don't need to like feel like i'm in virtual japan anymore but uh it is it is worth picking up I mean, i'm gonna have to take a look at it i'm sorry there's a there's a fireworks uh display happening like right outside my house so if you hear any thumping that's what it is nope that's a great microphone it's a little, it's a little distracting for me so that's why anyway. i recommended this microphone for the player one podcast because of the kids and the fireworks <laughs> that go off in your backyard um yeah so uh, along with that, we have uh, Res, which we already did talk about that was originally uh, coming out in Japan, but that version is cheaper to pick up. And trust me, you don't need to know English to play no, Res. not at all. Not at all. Uh, let's talk about the Capcom and SNK fighting games, because there was a lot of releases that came out in Japan that we didn't get in the States. That uh, specifically includes King of Fighters 2000. 01 and 02. Those all came out in Japan on the Dreamcast. We only got King of Fighters 99. I think it's Dream Match is what it's called. Mm-hmm. and uh, Which is a good version. I want to say we got two King of Fighters in the US, though. 
Maybe King of Fighters 2000 also came out in... Why don't you look that up while I'm, uh, I'm going to talk yep. about it? Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe King of Fighters 2000 also came up uh, came out in America. Um, you know what? I make mistakes. It all happens. Hey, it happens to everyone. Happens to everybody. Um, but also along with it, maybe it was because uh, also uh, Capcom versus SNK 2 came out in Japan. We did not get that here no. in the States until I believe it came out on uh, the just the PlayStation 2. Or maybe I'm talking under my butt up with that maybe? too. Maybe I think you're right. It, it, it sounds right to me, so I'm going to roll with it. Um, and the internet, by the way, the internet is saying the King of Fighters 2000 did not come here. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh man, so, I was right. Yeah, for me. So, um, yeah. Hey, you know what? It, it came out on the MVS. So if you want to pick it up on the MVS, along <laughs> with all the four, 48,000 other King of Fighters games, um, I would still try to narrow in to 98. That's such a great game, and it's like twenty dollars for the MVS copy. Along with that, uh, we had uh, this kind of counts, and, and I'll bring it up right now. Super Puzzle Fighter 2X, uh, you know, again, more arcade perfect stuff coming to the, mm-hmm. the Dreamcast and Sega hardware from Capcom. That included uh, Super Street Fighter 2X, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo X. Um, this also came out on the Sega Saturn, but it got a release on the Dreamcast as well. So that's good. Um, we had Space Channel 5 Part 2 which eventually came to the States on the PlayStation 2, I believe. Yeah, as a double pack with uh, the first and second games. I actually have the Japanese version of the of Space Channel 5 Part 2 for my Dreamcast. Featuring Michael Jackson. Featuring Michael Jackson. And I actually got that sent to me by a PR rep from Sega. Oh, I thought you were going to say by Michael Jackson. That would be um, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, but no, it's I just happen to be... Um, I happen to mention how I was disappointed one time when I was, because I used to call the PR reps for work like every other day and was disappointed how it wasn't coming here. And then the next time I talked to him, I was like, listen, I got a whole stack of these here if you want one. Jeez. That's yes, great. please. That's awesome. So, uh, along with that, there was, of course, uh, Ikaruga, uh, which is a very famous, uh, bullet mm-hmm. hell shooter, which eventually got ported to, Kind of everything. It's on Xbox yeah. Live. It's on uh, PlayStation 3. It's all over the place. It's on the um, GameCube. It got a physical release on GameCube. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And it's uh, like $100 if yeah. you want to pick that up. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot about that. That was, I went through, like everything, I went through a GameCube phase where I was scouring GameStops when they were getting rid of GameCube stuff. And I uh, saw a copy of that. I'm like, why is this game $100? It was like, <laughs> you know, it's 50 on the Dreamcast and it's probably just as good. And it's on a GD-ROM and not a cheap small dvd um along with all that stuff and i'm kind of running down this list uh this is a very this is a very cool release and it sucks how expensive it is because i really wish i owned yeah it. uh suzuki game arts yeah me too i desperately want this but it is like prohibitively expensive well i mean let's i mean we can there there's really I don't want to say I don't want to say there's no reason to own this game because that you can get a lot of what I maybe maybe what I would get out of it by just owning like basically it includes Afterburner 2 like perfect versions by the way mm-hmm. um like think Sega Ages versions of Afterburner 2 hang on outrun Power Drift remember we brought this up yep. in the Power Drift episode uh and Space Harrier, uh, or not the Power Drift episode, the Sega 3D Classics episode. Um, but this actually came with a like beautiful, uh, a beautiful book uh, mm-hmm. as well, and it's really just a it's a compilation uh, compilation of games de- designed by Yu Suzuki uh, in, in the, the 1980s. 80s. Yep. And 
like kind of a, a love letter and it is it's a very unique sega thing to to do yeah for sure and i mean it's I wanted to say that there was some, there were interviews or something with Yu Suzuki, but I don't think that's the case. But yeah, I just, it's just something that I kind of, you know, considering that he made so many amazing games and, and a couple of my absolute favorites are on this disc. I just kind of always wanted that one. And it's game works, by the way, Yu Suzuki game works volume one, Mm -hmm. but there was never a volume two. There was never a volume two, just like there was never a Floygan brothers two. Floygan brothers. Why would they make that game? Oh man, this this is a, a one more sad thing. I bit. Do you remember Bitmob? Oh yeah. When uh, it was what was it? It was Shoe Damian Lynn. Damian Lynn put that together, mm-hmm. um, and they had a great uh, Dreamcast anniversary episode in two thousand and nine, a ten year anniversary. And uh, unfortunately, with sometimes when websites get bought. And Lipson subscriptions, yeah, Lipson subscriptions get canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot find that episode. If you are out there, like I actually reached out to both of them, and they both said that they <laughs> they don't have it, and it really sucks that they didn't back that stuff up or have it on a you know an old Dropbox or something um, because those they did a really good job with those episodes. I really enjoyed that podcast back then. Uh, but I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, it was so good that I like I remembered much of what they talked about in that episode, like their memories. It was kind of what I'm doing with this, like their memories of the launch. And they interviewed, um, I forget the woman's name uh, that was a uh, worked in PR, I believe, at Sega. And they worked mm-hmm. closely with when, of course, the Dreamcast was coming out when they were in the press. And uh, I reached out to her. I didn't I didn't hear back. Um, but, you know, it is uh, it's sad. Lost in time. It's funny. I'm just sort of looking up uh, Yu Suzuki GameWorks information. And um, remember, this used to be a thing. It doesn't happen so much anymore. I don't know if it happens at all anymore. But you used to be able to get uh, omake, I think is how you say that word, content on your games. Like I remember a lot of old um, Saturn games, uh, like Burning Rangers is a good example. If you mm-hmm. put Burning Rangers, the, the Saturn disc, into your computer and actually checked it, there was a folder there that had a oh. ton of beautiful uh, desktop images mm-hmm. for all the different characters in the game apparently gameworks volume one if you go in and find the omake um folder it actually has um sales pamphlets for all the arcade games that are on the disc that's pretty like, rad there's a, like i'm looking at the outrun one here and it's like you know here's all the features and here are the three different models the upright the standard and the deluxe and how it plays and it's you know kind of cool stuff like that that doesn't happen very often anymore no it doesn't and if you really want to bake this up you can probably find it and if you team it up with a copy of Disc Juggler, oh yeah, you could you could at least take a look at it. Um, I think a lot of people just like having it because it is a collector's item in terms of having the book and the disc and all that stuff. Oh yeah, that's why I would want it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe and again, we're we're not going to hit on every single you know Japanese exclusive game. We're just going to talk about uh, the heavy hitters. And you know what? I think we hit them. And I think yeah, we're I think good. so too. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there was, you know, it was weird. It, <sighs> there's, there's so many more games that we could bring up, but I think those are the big ones that you want to at least take a look at first. I think they were, yeah. And I mean, you know, the Dreamcast was weird, just like all Sega consoles were weird in that it just seemed like if it was a hit in America, it wasn't a hit in Japan and vice versa. So, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't, it was really strong at the beginning for, for the Dreamcast in Japan, but it just kind of petered out. So, I mean, you know, the ones that we've talked about here are definitely sort of the ones that you wanted to, you want to check out. 
Yeah, and as I mentioned before, a lot of those fighting games are actually relatively cheap, like $20, uh, mm. something along that. Um, a couple other games I want to bring up real quick. They're not really exclusive to the the console uh, to the console itself, but um, there's multiple pop and music uh, games that, that came out on the Dreamcast. There's also uh, Puyo Puyo Fever, which, of course, it's a Sega console. There's Puyo Puyo on it. Of course. Um, and... Uh, Tetris 40, which I don't know what that is. Um, there was a bunch of uh, Gundam games that came out. If you're into Gundam, there was a bunch of uh, Macross games that came out. Uh, there was Twinkle Star Sprites that came out on it, um, which was probably worth bringing up. Um, and again, in terms of just vertical and horizontal shooters like Border Down, Under Defeat, um, and just getting the Japanese versions of a lot of the shooters that ended up coming to the States for some reason, even though they're like not very good, they're really, really expensive now. <sighs> not a lot of copies were sold. Um, so it is probably worth going and checking out the, the, uh, the Dreamcast versions. The last thing I want to mention is that uh, the Super Street Fighter 2X actually had great online play on the Dreamcast. It actually supported matching service along with Vampire Chronicles, which is part of the, um, Dark Stalkers series. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. So those are all worth checking out. But unfortunately, you know what? You can't play online anymore. So yeah, it is. Uh, it's a little bit of uh, a sad thing. But again, for the for the time, you got to play Street Fighter Two, Super Street Fighter Two X online against other people, which was rad in two thousand. So weird. All right. So I think we we hit on this a little bit of the shorter ones of the the summer Dreamcast. But hey, we got we got more coming up. I'm going to be talking with with Wes of uh, Retro Fixes next episode where we're going to be talking about uh, modifications. I'm going to also be talking about a lot of upkeep and things that you can do to get your Dreamcast I said it right this time. Dreamcast playing great <laughs> in 2016, uh, including maybe we'll go a little bit more into the revision stuff. I've been poking around more with that. I've been opening up lots of Dreamcasts. I painted a Dreamcast black, which was really cool. Um, you can also look into things like Retrobrite. We'll get into all that uh, with Wes. And then after that, um, don't forget, we're going to be doing a couple episodes on Shenmue 2. Greg's got some plan to do. I still got some plan to do. We might have to do some filler in between those episodes to give us some time because that's a 30-hour game, Greg. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. We're going to figure it out, and it's going to be worth doing, and I'm still... I'm going to the docks every day. I'm moving those goddamn crates. <laughs> I'm getting $10 <laughs> per crate, and that some bitch, when he tells me left, 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 I hit left four times, but... I, I dropped it. I hit left four times. I bought a brand new controller. It's a brand Tell new you, controller works. You got to get up. You got up your game. I know. Um, but uh, until then, I will quickly say, hey, we're going to record a, a, another segment for the Patreons. So that's going to be coming up in a second. We didn't get one for the last episode. We're going to get one this episode. Uh, and uh, before we do that, just don't forget to go to generation-16.com so you can check out all the great stuff that Greg is putting together. I know he's continuing to work hard. He's finishing up the videos for that and putting it all together in his new beefy PC, which means the export's going to be like three minutes long. Oh, so fast compared to the old the old right? iMac. Oh, man, it was like a 12-hour render on the old iMac. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what Core i7s today can do. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, of course, you can hear Greg and and sometimes me on the on the Player One podcast talking about talking about the three, poor 3ds hardware. I'm just kidding. Um, and, oh my! And you know, 
Sometimes you get a review Shenmue three three years before it comes out, um, which is also which you can find that on the Player One podcast. <laughs> you will as well. not let that go. <laughs> I, I was in. I, I mean, if you listen to what was it five hundred one that we did? Oh, my God, uh, go go listen to episode five hundred one. That was an interesting show, you know, for terrible reasons and for me kind of freaking out reasons. But uh, you know what? That, it's okay because. There's uh there's two other people that were somewhat level headed at times on that show as well. So you can go and check that out. And if you enjoy that, go to patreon.com slash player one podcast to support that. Go to patreon.com slash generation sixteen to support that. Mm-hmm. And you only get charged on a per episode basis, just like back in my play. And I will say it's the way it should be. It's the way it should be. And uh before we wrap it up. Uh, the Patreon for Back of My Play is up to $140 per episode, which is... Damn. Like, thank you, guys. Um, but, I mean, hopefully you can you can understand, like, the time that it goes into editing these episodes and making them sound super good um, is a lot. And what I've realized through the network is that, you know, no matter what, the FitCast, of course, on Mondays is going to always be there. And Back of My Play on Fridays is always going to be there. And... Uh, uh, along with that, I, I do really appreciate that support that Patreons do give because I swear to God, every time I see one of those emails that say, you know, so-and-so like Greg became a Patreon supporter at $1 per episode, I get a smile because I'm like, all this hard work means something and people care about this stuff. And, you know, I also do say, Greg, only support the show if you can, if you're in the financial situation to do so, you know, because yep. I want this stuff to always be free for people that want to check it out. But... You know, if you do, like if, if you know, if you're spending $100 a week on coffee, you know, maybe put $4 a month of that towards back of my play to help me continue to make this show as best as I can possibly make it and set aside the time and the dedication to do it so I can research all this stuff for you guys and open up three different hardware revisions of the Dreamcast to tell you which one's the best. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I have, I've had some patrons who have sort of come and gone and come back and... And they'll, there are a few that will say like, you know, I'm really sorry. I can't support the next episode. I'm, you know, something like I have to get my car fixed or something like that. It's like, right. it, that's totally cool. You know, the fact that you would even consider supporting in the first place is it mm-hmm. means the world, you know, to, to all really all creators, content creators on the Internet. So anything you can give helps. But obviously don't, you know, don't put yourself in the poorhouse to do it. Absolutely. And, and uh it's weird. Uh, I mean, the Fitcast is is a, is a great show with a great audience and great Patreon support. Um, mm-hmm. And this show takes like four times as much time to make, <laughs> <laughs> and has about a fourth or maybe like a third of the Patreon support. Which you know, again, I'm if I was doing this for the money, I wouldn't be doing it <laughs> because right, you don't get in a podcast to make money unless your name's Mark Marin or you know a, another celebrity. Um, but I just kind of like talking about games with great people and sharing it with you guys. And hopefully that comes across every single week. And like Greg said, at the end of the day, if you're like, yeah, I really love what these guys are doing, you know, the support means so much and it is even better when you get, and this is, this is kind of like one of those things that kind of like, I kind of like really, what's the word that I want to use when you, when you have people like Benjamin rivers that, goes on and supports not only Greg, but the player one podcast and myself via Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's, he, he said himself that he's been listening, uh, to player one for over six years. Um, that means a lot. It, it is just a showing of support for the content that we work hard to produce. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
which which is why it, it puts a smile on her face because it's a sign of recognition in a lot of ways. Um, no, maybe it shouldn't be, but it is um, because that's a number on a on a website stat sheet doesn't mean as much as like saying, wow, man, people really do like this stuff. So thank you yeah, to everyone exactly. that does support us is what I'm trying to say. So um, also don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you enjoy this, submit a review on there. Reviews really do help our shows on Player One Podcast and Back in My Play. And uh, also I'm streaming somewhat often on YouTube now for the Dreamcast stuff, especially the Shenmue 2 stuff. So go to, I don't know what my URL is, but just follow me on Twitter at... <laughs> Kevin Larrabee, K-E-V-I-N-L-A-R-R-A-B-E-E, at Back In My Play on Twitter. Greg is at S-E-W-A-R-T, and of course, at P1 Podcast. If you want to submit questions for Greg and the crew over there uh, to to answer on a weekly basis, hey, flood them with more retro talk, because when they talk retro stuff, it is just a, a blast to hear them talk about that old stuff. That's why I keep pulling their asses on this show. That is where we shine. It, I mean, you guys are old. Let's be we real. Are. I can't. I can't deny any of that. You you got that. You got that old experience, <laughs> and especially when you're in, you know, the industry at the time when games were good. You got out of it before they got bad. Nice. So good on that. And also, I picked up an Xbox One, so I'll probably be streaming some Doom because I kind of really. I just got to my Doom. copy too. Oh, nice. Then we can talk about yeah. Doom soon. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that is gonna do. Maybe we should do an episode on Doom, the original Doom. That would be cool. But you know what we should do? I'd be down for that. We should do Doom on the 32X. Yep, I've got that too. I can do that. I'm just kidding. That game, that, that version sucks. Come on. Um, it is pretty bad, but you know. You want to hear some great stories is hear about, um, I believe it was, maybe it wasn't in uh, Masters of Doom, hearing about the story of the Super Nintendo port versus the Genesis port of Doom. Oh my God, that is a good story. Um, go go check all that out. But we, we got to go because we got to, play this music. We have to tell people to subscribe. We already did that. And now we get to record a Patreon segment because I got some more games to talk about. Cool. Let's do it. All right. We'll see you next week. We'll be talking about more Dreamcast. Summer Dreamcast continues. Stay inside. Turn on the AC and fire up that Dreamcast and listen to that beautiful, beautiful sound. You hear that, fan? No. Oh, you can't because it's so quiet. It's a revision zero. All right, see you next week. (laughs) Bye.